You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Top Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Your co-host, Danny. Danny, we have a fun show for you today. First, we'll get into a little bit of the NBA. Uh, we got some Formula One talk. That's right. Florida Formula One is upon us. And we have an interesting trading card scenario for you. But first, Danny, right into the NBA where the first couple of games after All-Star break has hit us. And the Milwaukee Bucks are 2-0. Impressive wins, one in Minnesota, one at Philly. Uh, I expected them to win the one in Philly just because Joel Embiid is not playing and Sixers haven't been doing, obviously, as well uh, without him. Uh, But the one in Minnesota impressed me. I watched that game um, pretty much, and the defense, especially in the third quarter, was on point. The offense was flowing, the ball was moving, there was energy in the ball, and in the fourth quarter, the Bucs kind of gave things up a little bit here and there. Uh, Minnesota closed the gap, uh, but nonetheless, man, uh, Dame Dollar showed up. Dame time showed up, man, big time in Minnesota, and they eat that, eat out the uh, victory there, so the Bucks are looking pretty good defensively, Danny. I mean, I saw that uh, in one of our threads here where uh, defensively, uh, especially uh, when it comes to transition uh, basketball, the Bucks went from last to first. And that speaks volumes. Uh, and so I was just looking at the standings, Danny. And right now the Bucks are in third position only one game behind Cleveland for the second position mm-hmm. uh, in the Eastern Conference. And if playoffs were to start uh, today, being that the Bucs are in the third seed, uh, they will play the Indiana Pacers in the first round. But mine kind of went to, with this defense that the Bucs have right now, could the Bucs beat out the Pacers, and before the coaching change, my thought would be no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now with this defense, my thought would be this would be a great series. I could see the Bucks eking it out. But, Danny, what say you about these Milwaukee Bucks coming off of All-Star break? You have a new coach. He needs time to adjust. And, <laughs> and Doc made that comment before the All-Star break about – players paying attention, you know, paraphrasing here and everything, some being in Cabo and <laughs> some being on the court. But this is the Bucks team we expected to play. And granted, too, it's been great matchups. They match up well with Minnesota and Philly being down in B. That's a game you, you got to win, right? Even though it is on the road and the talent they have, this is the team that you're expecting all season <clears throat> Now, I will say, let's see if they can make a little run here 
continue to be consistent and not have up and downs because you know how they can go sometimes where they look like world beaters like when they beat the Nuggets a couple weeks ago and then they had those games like against Memphis where Doc made that comment about the team checking out before the All-Star break. So if you look at it, man, they're sitting in a good spot, honestly, for a bad and inconsistent they've been all year. They're still in the three-hole. Cleveland can be had. This is this is new territory for Cleveland. Over a little over 20 games left. This is where the pressure starts kicking in for this positioning and for seeding. Celtics, I think they should be good in a good spot where they are in the one. But there's no reason where the Bucs can't get that number two spot uh, in the East, considering how they've been playing. But they do have a tough schedule coming up, too. So I know it's one of the toughest in the NBA down the stretch. So that could play into this, but looking at it, man, that's that two spot should be for theirs, theirs for the taking. And Danny, let me just add on to that. So if they take up, if they take the number two spot, okay, in the playing tournament right now, which is the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth seeds, you have Miami at seven, Orlando at eight, Chicago at nine, and Atlanta Hawks at ten. Let's just say the likes of Miami in Orlando come out of that playing tournament, right? Mm-hmm. This is say Milwaukee, if they were to be number two seed, could face against, <laughs> could go against the Miami Heat in that first round. That's the matchup you do not want off the jump. You don't want that matchup, man. And it's not to be saying we'd be scared of Miami, but dang, Miami King, I'm just... <laughs> See, I just shoot for, I mean, making the play, in, just making the play off. I don't get Miami from that standpoint, Danny. But mm-hmm. if it's worked for them over the years, it's kind of like, this is just how we going to roll. We going to rest some players. We going to rest some starters. Jimmy Butler suspended right now. So he's going to get some more rest. And that's they're dangerous, man, because they, if they just sit around there and like you said, metal around where they're not going to be knocked out because they're based on the record right now, the 31 25. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls, who are in the nine spot, are three games under 500. They're 27 and 30. So Miami has like a nice buffer. Yeah. Between them and being out of the playoffs is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. So they, yeah, they could just metal around, win a couple games here, win a couple games there. Get healthy and then make their run. And and here's the thing with Miami, just like you said, they can just meddle around because right now they're one game behind the Pacers for a sixty, so that way they won't even have to worry about the playing tournament. Mm-hmm. But Miami, I think, is so confident that goes also not only for the Bucks but for the Celtics because the Celtics do not want to see Miami in the first round either. That's true, but I think this Celtics team is a little different. They are, but we know Miami. <laughs> Miami, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, but they match up really well with the Bucks and the Celtics, and they have that moxie about them. Mm-hmm. When they get to the playoffs where they're just like, all right, now it's time to flip the switch. Just as we talk about the Eastern Conference, the Western Conference, uh, you have Minnesota and OKC tied right now for – the number one spot with Denver Nuggets only one and a half games behind Clippers, two and a half games behind uh, at the fourth seed. And then 
you have Sacramento and Phoenix uh, at the five and six spots with the New Orleans Pelicans, Mavericks, Lakers, and Warriors in a play-in tournament. Are you kidding me? I can see Phoenix making a run here. I, I definitely see the Pelicans making a run here to get out of the play-in tournament. Same thing with the Mavericks. I can see them making a run to try to get out of the play-in tournament. The two teams to replace, I can see the Kings and even the Suns slipping down into the play-in tournament. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be interesting. Lakers is going to be the play-in tournament, in my opinion. Same thing with the Warriors. I just see them being a play-in tournament, period. And what say you about the Western Conference? Yeah, Jay, there's a <clears throat> half a game between the five spot where the Kings are and where the Mavericks are in the eight spot. So there's going to be a lot of shifting and maneuvering now going on. That, And you look at Dallas, <clears throat> Dallas has actually been playing pretty well lately. Yeah, yeah. Kyrie has been really balling. And they've been, you know, players been in and out the lineup for them too. And with them making those changes at the trade deadline, they may be, they may be dangerous if they can keep this going because they did get some defensive help. And I agree with the Warriors and Lakers right now. I don't see them getting out of that spot. But they're both playing well, too, because Golden State's won eight of their last ten. The Lakers have won seven of their last ten. Yeah, it's uh, shaping up to be an interesting playoff run here. And the Jazz are sitting at the 11th spot, and they're four games under 500. So we talked about wiggle room in the Eastern Conference. That's same goes for the West. There's been some good ball, actually, man. Yeah, Just I, that's because they know you only got 26, 25 games left in the season. Mm-hmm. You need to start making this run, making this push. And when you think about the seven to 10 seeds, like if I'm the Lakers or Warriors, I'm like, we need to get the hell up on out for this playing tournament situation. <laughs> You're right. Like, there's no telling what can happen here, Danny. I mean, and it's I, extra games, Jason. On those old legs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think the Warriors, they're going to make this push. I don't know what's going on with the Lakers, man. They just so up and down. It's going to be tough. This is just going to be a great run towards the end of the regular season, Danny, uh, in the NBA. And now on to Formula One and where uh, they just wrapped up uh, this past weekend, the preseason testing and there's been some clamoring uh, via the ESPN article that the other drivers are already saying it's Max Verstappen's championship to lose, basically. The car is so far ahead that it's going to be playing catch-up. And really at the second, third, fourth spots, that's where your, your competition really is going to be. And I'll just say this, Danny, this is disheartening to hear uh, because the, the the drivers are already defeated mm-hmm. before the season even starts. And that speaks volumes, man. I mean, just to this how ahead and how far in advance the uh, Red Bull team really is in their car. And I just think that there's something that needs to be said about uh, the engineers of these cars. Before Red Bull, there was, of course, Mercedes, who had what, seven victories, seven, eight victories in a row, mm-hmm. um, Constructors' Cup. And 
there's something to be said about going on these long runs, uh, especially from the, from the engineering standpoint. And I'll just say this, according to the article, uh, they talked about how, and this is again an ESPN article, they talked about how uh, Red Bull and Max Verstappen's car, uh, the last race uh, last year in Abu Dhabi, uh, you won by 17 seconds. And last year, the average victory was 13.363 seconds. You're saying that <laughs> this car this year may be one where there's a half second difference, or ha yeah, half second difference uh, each lap. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Now, granted, one thing to keep in mind in these preseason tests, a lot of the teams they don't want to, you know, put everything out there. They don't want to show their full hand, if you will, show their full capabilities of their car uh, and all. Uh, but it just speaks volumes when a lot of drivers, basically the whole grid, is saying it's his championship to lose. I think when it comes to football, they say. That's why they play the game. So I think with driving, you have to almost have the same mindset. That's why you drive the races. Yep. And if I was these cars and some of these teams, because some of these teams have like the same engine underneath it all, just different names in terms of who's basically the, the team name. And I would just partner with some of these other teams and be like, you know what, y'all, we need to take down Red Bull. Mm -hmm. We have a joint strategy. Take down Red Bull, man. <laughs> I mean, just be like, one weekend, all right, Ferrari, Mercedes, you know, let's work together to, mm -hmm. to take down Red Bull. The following week, it could be like, all right, McLaren and, and Mercedes, why don't we go ahead and tag team and take down Red Bull? Something got to be done, man. And well, I, I'll say this too, Danny. I was able to watch uh, a good portion or maybe half the season of the Formula One race uh, special on Netflix for this season. Uh, it was basically based on last season. They uh, spun it up. Uh, made it available right before the start of this season, which was amazing. And one of the things I really enjoyed about it, not only the storytelling, but they talk about also the teams that are like 17th place on a consistent basis, 18, 19, 20th place. Uh, they talk about the struggles to get out from under those uh, lower positions. And they also talk, they also show the like behind the scenes. So, when you talk about upgrades to a car and everything and the meetings that they have and the time that it takes and the money that it takes uh, and the pressures that these teams are on under because of sponsors want, mm -hmm. they don't want to be the 20th place. They don't want to be 18th place. They try to be number one. And if you don't make and show signs of improvement, these sponsors would be like, man, deuces. We're trying to go ahead and get on a winning team or get on a team that is doing better than what uh, we currently are right now. So yep. I think one of the things I really love about uh, this series, the behind the scenes, because I hear so much about the upgrades. And I'm always in my mind thinking, well, huh? What does that all look like? What does that process look like? 
And yep. it's actually so engineers having these meetings and talking about how can we decrease, how can we make these subtle changes to decrease the time mm-hmm. or make things flow a lot better so we can decrease whether it's a second, whether it's a half second, all these seconds count. So that part was fascinating to me. Formula One will be back this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. And I am excited because I want to see how these cars have improved. Yep. And please don't tell me that this is going to be a 17 second win by Red Bull or Max Verstappen. Please don't tell me that. And if that's the case, that's when man, the whole season to me is going to be a replay of last season. Yep. Something I don't want to necessarily see and watch. So that's my full low one take, Danny. Anything uh from you from a full perspective? Yeah, I think too with that, Jason, it's uh it's execution actually on the actual track too, man. Like yeah. the pits. Yeah. And if you watch for those of you who do watch. Verstappen is very aggressive. So it takes a one or two crashes and I'll knock him down a couple pegs, right? But it's some of the angles and things and the way he drives, I think intimidates a lot of the drivers. If you watch those races, and I think that's what a lot of that comes down to is, is his style. It, a lot of these guys can't adjust to that. And I don't know, man, I think it's one of those things where if he does do what they're expecting him to do and dominate the way they'll take a lot of eyes off of formula one. Um, but there are those people that like the dynasty aspect of it, right. To see someone dominate and continue to dominate and do their thing. But it has to be on some of these teams, man, just to say, all right. Cause they watch, they're watching film. They got to see some of this stuff. They got to see how they execute. Mm-hmm. What's their action plan? What's their strategy to account for this? Someone has to say something. So that's why I want to see some of these interviews too. Like this first race, what's post-race? What are they saying coming out of that race, depending on how Verstappen does? Because obviously everyone's shooting for him, but you can't touch it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you can't get him, then he's going to take off. So I, I just hope that it's closer than that. And it's actually an interesting race, this first one out. And I would like to see what these teams do to combat him and the team and Red Bull. And I, I would say this. I think to, to that point, uh, I believe Formula 1 has done this right in terms of putting out their Netflix special, Formula 1 Drive to Survive. Uh, they put that out right before the start of the new season. And again, they showcase several teams that are in the 20th spot, the 10th spot, even the 10th spot and the 9th spot. And they showed how they're competing in, in chunks in their spe- specific category. I think Phone One was smart to do that because in races, they don't necessarily focus in on those battles necessarily. Yeah. Uh, they may sp- highlight, oh, there's a battle here for 10th position, or whatever case may be. Uh, and then they go back to, 
who's in the lead, the lead or the leader pack, uh, if you will. Um, typically, they just take their eyes off of Max Verstappen, just let them ride out and everything, and then they look at what's the next chunk of close races or, or what have you. So, uh, yeah. I think Formula One was definitely smart to put out uh, Drive to Survive on Netflix um, and all. So, we'll see what happens in this first race, Danny. Mm-hmm. And now, fans, on to an interesting trading car scenario. Who we got, Danny? So tonight's trading car scenario, Jason, is Shea Gilders Alexander Panini Donruss rated rookie card for Anthony Edwards NBA Hoops rookie card. Couple quick bios. Shea was the 11th overall pick by the Charlotte Hornets in the 2018 NBA draft out of Kentucky and then was eventually traded to Oklahoma City. Um, Two-time All-Star, one-time All-NBA, career averages, 22.6 22.6 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 4.8 assists per game. Anthony Edwards, first overall pick by the Minnesota Timberwolves in the 2020 NBA draft out of Georgia, two-time All-Star, career averages 22.7 points, 5.1 rebounds, and four assists a game. Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? Well, Danny, this was an interesting one here. Um, in looking at Shea and Anthony Edwards, I, I like – Anthony Edwards' body of work with respect to how he plays, um, the physicality. He is a shooting guard, listed as a shooting guard, 6'4", 225, man, but he has hops for days. You're talking about catching bodies? He didn't call more than a few bodies. And that is something impressive, man. But here's a concern I have with, with Anthony Edwards in Minnesota. I think the question for this to me in terms of who to take my portfolio, the question for me is who would win a championship first? Mm-hmm. And although both teams right now, they're tied for first in the conference, which we stated earlier, Shay is actually getting more looks as an MVP candidate. The OKC Thunder, they're a young team, a young, hungry team. And I think they have the ability to take that next level even more so than the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, And so I'm going to make actually a team choice here. And to me, it's based on what team can get over the hump quicker and I think okay, the OKC Thunder can get over the hump a little bit quicker. There's going to be a learning experience there. But I think the OKC, OKC Thunder can even take this to another level if Sam Presti and the front office don't mess this up. Uh, and you talk about the time, and I looked at the times and where OKC Thunder and Minnesota Timberwolves played each other this year. And granted, there were, you know, a, we, a couple times Minnesota won, well, Things been going back and forth, quite honestly. But Shea has scored close to 30 or over 30 points in all the games. And that speaks volumes to me. So with that, I'm going with OKC Thunder and the team that they have around Shea to get over oh. up here. I would take Shea's card and put that in my portfolio because I believe, I believe this will be of more value because of the MVP MVP looks that he's getting right now, 
But once they get over that hump, I think you're going to see them in the conference finals sooner than later. So I'm going with Shay's uh, card here. Who you got? If you look at their career stats, they're like neck and neck. Shay's having a breakout year this year, and that's where I'm strongly considering his card because, like you said, it's the trajectory, right? And the team is on the upward trajectory. But then I look at the value of the card and the small market. That's where both of these dudes get, I think, kind of taken back because they're not nationally known players per se. We know them. They're great, but they're not household names because they're not on TNT all the time or ABC or ESPN. And I think that'll change after this year. But when I'm looking at the card itself and I'm looking at these two, I'm going to go with Anthony Edwards' card. And the reason I say it is because I think his game is more conducive to being that type of star player that we were used to in the NBA. He is a little smaller, but he, like you said, he has the hops. Shea does too, not don't get me wrong. Shea's game is great, and he should be in the top for MVP voting because of what he's been doing this year. But I look at Anthony Edwards, and <clears throat> they have a great shot as well to make a deep run, depending on how things go, obviously. So I like, and I'm a big Anthony Edwards fan, man. I've been a big fan ever since his rookie year. A lot of people doubted him coming out of Georgia. They doubted his his work ethic, his want to, to play in the NBA, based on some comments he made, you know, coming in. As far, and I look at that, and I think he's taking it to the next level, and he still has untapped potential to as he gets into his prime to take it a, a step further and be a great player and this may transition to him moving markets because another point that you made as far as the age of the team okay see as a young team the Timberwolves are an older team um, with Conley and then Gobert's a little older so I'm going Anthony Edwards, rookie card. And this is very close for me because I like both players. Um, but I'm going to roll with Ant. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.